my loves, my name is Heba and this is the Blush Podcast. I hope everyone's had a really good week. I have a very exciting, very fun, very saucy episode for you today. So I have on Kelly, who works with a friend of mine, and she has a clinical background, and she's an expert in so many things. And today we talk all about sex. We talk about shame and stigma, about asking for what you want, about focusing on pleasure rather than orgasms, and we do a really, really deep dive into kinks. It's a really fun episode. It's educational. Um, Mainly, you're going to learn a lot about me that you probably didn't want to know, so I apologize in advance, but... I left it all in just in case anyone can relate. So if you can relate, please DM me because I'm feeling all kinds of cringe about it. And if you enjoyed the episode, please, please, please leave a five-star review, share the episode, put it on your Instagram, send it to someone that you're into. Just share it. It's a fun one. It's a good one. You'll learn something. You'll laugh a little You'll do all the things we're meant to do here at Blush. And actually, you will blush because it's, like I said, it's pretty saucy. So without further ado, oh wait, before we get to the episode, if you want to watch the full video, the full video is on Spotify. So yeah, on Spotify, if you just click to enlarge it, you can just watch the video. Okay, without further ado, on to the episode. Kelly, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. How are you today? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Um, it's cold today and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's it's just been brutal in New York. I can't. In the teens. Yeah. It's never been like this for me. I'm from California. Oh, where in California? <laughs> LA. <laughs> oh, okay. You'll be able to tell from some of the things that I say later, I think. Ooh, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Are you going to start talking about like green juice and yoga, like sunset <laughs> yoga on the beach? Or... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can't with cold. I was supposed to be in Australia right now, but mm. their borders are not open to U.S. Right. citizens right now, so... Okay. Yeah. Well, it's next really, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting for them to open so I can go. But yeah, the cold is really not fun. Anyway, could you tell the audience a little about your background? Yeah. So as I said, I'm from LA. I went to um, college in Northern California and I studied human biology with a focus in developmental psychology, which is really more where my passion is at in psychology. Mm-hmm. After that, I um, got a master's in social work and public health. Um, so what I my passion is in is with kids and young families and to try and like do preventative parenting classes, if that makes sense, to like mm-hmm. try and strengthen development. And um, a lot of the stuff I've looked into is like sexual development, adolescent development, stuff like that. Um, and currently I do have a license in social work, which means I can practice therapy, but I don't actually do that for my current job. So just take everything I say with a grain of salt that I'm qualified, but not practicing. <laughs> okay. Okay. You do. You said you do a little couples therapy, huh? I'm really interested in it. Um, okay. I mean, I if might... you call it for your friends. <laughs> 
I might have uh, me and my boyfriend, we call him Ozzy on the podcast, just guinea pig because, you know. Amazing. <laughs> really, to get I in want there. him to go to therapy, but he won't on his own, but he would with me. So Happy to offer unsolicited opinions <laughs> <Yeah>. on that. <laughs> okay, there's so much I want to touch on. And honestly, I'm sure we're going to have you back on the podcast because one topic that really interests me is how we can raise emotionally secure children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I'm getting older, I don't know that I necessarily want kids, but, you know, it's it's a possibility at some point. Who knows? Who knows what the Mm -hmm. future holds? And I constantly think about, like, when I see my... God, I hope they don't listen to this one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So my brother and his wife, have a baby. And I remember in the early stages, they were talking a lot about like sleep schedules and this and that. And like, you know how you're supposed to let them cry and not tend to them and like various things. And I just constantly wonder, like, can we not just like feed the kid when it's hungry, like put it down when it's tired, like tend to it when it's crying? I don't know. I have no idea. I know nothing about parenting. And I think it would be so interesting to have a full episode just exploring different parenting styles. Totally. And I think a lot of things you're about, you're touching on apply to the conversation we're going to have about sex because people and children like both boundaries and like open space for growth. Mm -hmm. And I think that can apply to both conversations here. Right. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, we're not going to talk about parenting today. We are going to talk about sex. It's a little uncomfortable that we're talking about both right now. So let's just (laughs) move right away from the parenting and right into sex. It all goes hand in hand. (laughs) Perfect. So um, I just want to do like an overlay of the whole episode of like, I acknowledge that communicating about sex and about all this stuff is very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I'm really open about it, but I just want to acknowledge that most people are not. And so hopefully I can suggest some strategies um, for opening up that conversation, both with yourself or with a partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. You know, it's funny. I have no problem every week coming on here talking about all of my worst behaviors, all of the silly, silly fights that I've picked with people, uh, you know, putting garlic in my vagina because I thought it would help a yeast infection (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then it getting stuck in there. Like I have no problems talking about (laughs) these things. And it's not like I have problems talking about sex. I guess for me, it's always like, oof, I hope my dad doesn't listen, Mm -hmm. you know, because I still carry so much societal programming that we should be shameful around sex. And it's crazy because we're all probably doing it. I mean, I don't know. I went seven years once without doing it, but that's neither Mm -hmm. here nor there. You know, like my parents did it. Yeah. And even if you're not, it's on your mind. And even if you're asexual, it's still a something that has been on your mind. So it's very applicable. And I just want to expand on shame. Like when you're having sex or even just masturbating and being intimate with yourself, no one else is there. So there's kind of like a uh, like a barrier there between mm. communicating things that happen with, let's say, I'm sharing with you about something that happened with my partner. 
um, it's vulnerable and you weren't there and I don't mm-hmm. want you to judge me for that. So I can totally understand where all this shame comes from. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never thought about that. Right. Because I remember having a conversation when I was in law school with a bunch of law school friends and it started with just a conversation about food and like, oh, you have to try this sandwich from this place and blah, blah. And then it kind of evolved to what's better, sex or food? Oh, boy. And so a lot <laughs> of people. in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people argued, well, we talk about food all the time. Or like, like just now, like, oh, you should try, you know, the cheesesteak from Georgia's falafel. We wouldn't. And I was like, yeah, but we, you know, you can't be like, hey, I highly recommend you fuck <laughs> Timothy. Like he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of a different thing. But hey, you can recommend, you know, a move that you had. If you have that relationship with, um, you know, if we were gabbing as girls, I'm like, my guy did something last night. Like, see if you're into it. Mm-hmm. If you have that relationship with people. Right. And I think more <laughs> of us should have that relationship. I think as females, sometimes we're afraid to talk about it because it sends some kind of implication. And that implication is something that society has deemed is not okay. Mm-hmm. And also that a lot of the goal of these sex conversations is, is orgasm, specifically male orgasm. Mm-hmm. And we have to really shift that to pleasure mm-hmm. and focusing on, oh, so corny, the journey, not the destination. <laughs> but I really think focusing on what makes you feel good. A lot of the issues that women have in sex, not to generalize, is like, how do I look? How am I pleasing mm-hmm. him? There's so much rhetoric about like porn and all this stuff that um, it can be really hard to focus women in this conversation, which is why girls need to talk to girls more about it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Since you mentioned it, what's your opinion on porn? Okay, complicated. Um, I think it's definitely gray. I'm Mm -hmm. not a black and white person. So on one hand, I do think it has its... um, uses mm-hmm. um i myself use it sometimes but i also do understand how horribly detrimental it is to like young kids um people who are just like in the habit of watching it this and that but i do think it can be used as like an opening for figuring out what you're into because mm. some stuff maybe i would never be exposed to if not for the internet i mean i just also have to plug like female-based porn websites um, mm-hmm. there's a lot, um, nicer websites, but you do have to pay for them. And honestly, I, I would pay for that because I right. want to see more realistic, healthy depictions of sex. Right. Could you list some? No, but maybe we put it in the description and okay. then we'll list it there. Okay. Not perfect. off top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause I think that would be helpful. Yeah. yeah. I haven't watched porn in a long time. I have a weird relationship with sexuality though. Do you care to expand? Yeah. Or maybe along the way of yeah. this conversation. Well, I'll just kind of talk about it because I think it'll touch on a lot of things that we're going to talk about. Okay. So I guess I'll just start from the beginning. Okay, great. So, <laughs> I started masturbating without knowing what I was doing as a kid. And so the listeners have probably heard this before. It started when I was a very, very young child. I was playing horsey or something with my imaginary friends, you know, as one does. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was riding the ledge of a bathtub. And all of a sudden I was like, 
what was mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. I want to feel that again. And I kept trying, but I couldn't feel it again because I guess there was like a bit of a refractory period, whatever. And so then daily, I would just do it all the time. And then I learned that I could kind of like, if I laid on my stomach and put my hands down, I could kind of rub, like rub against my hands and have the same feeling. I want to just acknowledge, like, thank you for sharing. I know for some people it's really hard to say. So like, yeah, super normal. Like kids do this. Yes, go on. Okay, yeah. That makes, <laughs> I remember the first time I heard another friend say that she had this as a child. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I thought I was crazy because I didn't even know. I mean, I didn't. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Even when I first heard of masturbation, I was like, wait, is that what I'm doing? And then I was like, wait, no, because people talk about girls like fingering themselves and I wasn't penetrating myself ever. Mm-hmm. It was just an external thing. And so I didn't really know what it was. I had the same experience. And again, going back to the media and the rhetoric, girls who are young wouldn't know. Right. But yeah. That also goes into the biology that it's an internal, not external thing. But mm-hmm. I'm just commenting on mm-hmm. your story. Keep going. So then I noticed that when I would do this, and again, I, you know, didn't know it was sexual, but you know, as I was masturbating as a child, um, I would kind of Think about the boy in, I can't believe I'm going to talk about this, whatever. The boy (laughs) in class who I thought was the grossest boy. Mm, mm -hmm. Like the one that I hated, the one that made me feel highly uncomfortable. And with your um, adult brain now, did you really think he was gross? I'm just trying to like get to the core of this. Did you convince yourself he's gross? Or you actually thought he was no, gross? No, I th- actually thought he was gross. There were okay. other boys that I had crushes on. And so it wasn't mm-hmm. until the seventh grade where the person I had a crush on and the person I masturbated to merged into one person. Mm-hmm. And then I would say throughout high school and college and after college, my sexual appetites were definitely around things that were... sorry my dog really wants to get in for this conversation um can Uh, i offer a perspective yet on what you've previously said or should i wait until you finish maybe wait okay so my sexual preferences and i would say it got more and more extreme over the years were around things that were like non-consensual and degrading so a lot of rape fantasies Mm -hmm. a lot of just things i would never actually want to have Mm happened to me and it kept getting more and more extreme uh sorry my dog is now fully in the room (laughs) (laughs) i think she has a lot of feelings on this topic just want to normalize those types of fantasies are super common Yeah. And I remember in college and in law school having so many conversations with so many female friends who were like, yeah, I fantasize about being raped also, Mm -hmm. which and it's almost like a unsavory thing to say because I'm so feminist, you know, but yeah. And then it kind of kept going and going up until my last relationship and something happened it was a very short relationship. It was fine. It was great. I learned a lot. In retrospect, I do think I 
I have some trauma from it that I wasn't seeing at the time, but very, we dated for a few months, not a huge deal. When we broke up, my sex drive just completely shut off, Mm. like completely shut off. And our breakup, our relationship and our breakup and the reflection I've done since then, I've realized how many things in my life were a part of me that weren't actually authentic to me, whether it was mm-hmm. like my political views or, uh, you know, hobbies or habits or just various things that weren't really authentic to me. And I think that that former partner represented a lot of those things. And so it was kind of this mirror where I was like, no, I don't actually believe this politically or like, no, I don't actually like doing this. And so one of the things I think sexually for me, it was this moment where I was like, do I really enjoy like gagging on a dick or is it something that I saw in porn and it was something I, you know, messaging that I received that like guys like girls who like this. And so Mm -hmm. it's now a part of me. And ever since then, my sexuality's been a little weird. Like I, my sex drive has been completely different. I have a really, I mean, I used to have such a strong sexual relationship with myself. Again, I was celibate for seven years. I started masturbating as a kid. It's a very big part <laughs> of my life. <laughs> and it's it's something I really struggle with because I still kind of have to have degrading fantasies to be able to get off. But what I really would like to experience is having very connected sex with my now partner who I'm, you know, so connected with and it's such a conscious and healthy relationship. But I I don't know. I just I'm in a weird place of transition. So listeners can't see I'm nodding (laughs) the whole time. Yes. Um, So a couple of things I'm thinking. One, sex involves so much power play. And I think Mm -hmm. that comes in physically with as you said gagging or like um non-physically with just a man woman power dynamic Mm -hmm. and I think if we're gonna go into the kink territory if I may Mm -hmm. um a lot of these non I feel like traditional or vanilla is like a bad word but more kinky stuff can sometimes be rooted in childhood experience Mm-hmm. And I don't think that this is a bad thing if we can approach it in a healthy, comfortable way. I'm going to introduce everyone to a word called aftercare, which is after something happens, like, let's say where the man is more dominant, the woman's more submissive. That's all good and great as long as if something happens or afterwards where the woman feels disempowered, then the man can swoop in and be like, you're OK, you're safe, mm-hmm. just kind of aftercare you know what I mean yeah yeah and so in that sense I don't think any of that like kink stuff is bad as long as you're on the same page Mm. um what else is I gonna say I think it's something you have to be really open about with your partner you can't do it just requires a lot of trust Mm -hmm. and thank you for sharing all the stuff you said (laughs) (laughs) I mean apparently I'm just putting everything out there now (laughs) it's really important because I think a lot of girls have these concerns about their desires and it's not concerning I think I'm really like proud of you for being so self-aware and I don't know your life story but I think because I've had a similar experience where I am more into 
submissive stuff and I'm Mm -hmm. like why is this like I'm a strong confident woman Mm -hmm. and I think that feeds into why we might be into it because we're so in control in our whole lives and sometimes you want to just release control and have someone else take charge yeah you know what I mean yeah absolutely and when somebody is um you know has a hand to your throat you don't care about what you look like and that releases a lot of women from that (laughs) yeah and also can we just right here and I mean maybe we're not the ones to address it I am definitely gonna get a single straight guy on the podcast soon but men don't give a shit what you look like during sex like it's just they're just happy to be there (laughs) you know they're just happy you're letting them be involved (laughs) absolutely and a lot of men are uncomfortable with being dominant if they don't think you're cool with it. So I just want to put that out there. Right. It's a two-way street. <laughs> yeah. So how would you recommend broaching the subject of kinks or fantasies or something you want sexually with your partner? Great question. And for those of you who aren't ready for that, listen anyway, because this is just good communication tips. Ooh, <laughs> Yes. In the world of kink, there is so much more consent and communication than in the not kink world. So I just think everyone has something to learn from this. So first, um, I also want to preface, if you try something and don't like it, totally cool. Like Mm -hmm. you can try something with your partner and it's awkward and like that's how you get closer. So yeah, just always need to say that. Yeah. I always say I would try. Pretty much anything other than things with knives. I'm really not into knife play. Yeah, I'm very scared of knives in general (laughs) in life. Like blades, can't really fuck with it. Um, And then anything with poop. And it's largely like I have such a hard time even pooping on a toilet. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, you know. Okay, glad you said that because it's so good to know your boundaries. Yeah, but other than that, I'm willing to try pretty much anything. Also good to know what you're open to. (laughs) So, okay, given that, I have one tip that is just um, you start on your own and then you come together with your partner. So there's this website called BDSMtest.org. has a series of questions that say like what you're maybe into trying, maybe not. And at the end, it spits out like the types of I mean, really, it gives you, like, names, like, Rope Bunny, if you're into ropes, but it's, like, actually helpful. <laughs> um, and then I would recommend doing that. Your partner does it, and you come together, and you're like, oh, I noticed you like to do this. I like to receive this. Let's try mm-hmm. it. So that could be an opening. I'm sorry. Did you say robes? Uh, rope. Rope. Okay. <laughs> I was me. like, wow, there's a to lot going on in sex that I do not know about. <laughs> hey, I'm sure there's robe play as well. <laughs> just like to wear their silk really robes. comfy <laughs> <laughs> so that is a good place to start if you guys have already opened the conversation mm-hmm. um but let's say you haven't even like broached this conversation with your partner i definitely would not bring it up in the bedroom while you're already vulnerable okay top tip it's just gonna make everyone feel um a little more shameful a little more mm-hmm. uncomfortable if you're already kind of naked and wondering did I do something wrong you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I would suggest beforehand it could be flirty foreplay during a date like have you ever thought about this Mm. you know Mm -hmm. alternatively if you're not in person sexting can be really interesting just like with words not necessarily photos although get it if you want to (laughs) um it's a good way to kind of test what you're into um and even 
from my personal experience, I could be like, hey, I'm actually not into that. Can you just like adjust that sentence? And then I'd be like, okay, great. I'm into that and move forward because there's time to think in between the texts. Mm -hmm. So those are some suggestions for starting out. Um, Other things, I talked to a friend once who was interested with their partner in maybe doing non-monogamy, but it's very Mm -hmm. scary to start that. Mm -hmm. So I had suggested, why don't you guys go to a bar watch each other flirt with other people i mean i would ask be like hey hey boyfriend they're cute can i flirt with them yes something like very controlled Mm -hmm. then you go home together Mm -hmm. i'm just trying Mm -hmm. to like let people see there's so many ways to be flexible with exploring that still makes you feel safe Mm -hmm. as long as you're on the same page with your partner Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't just go flirting without asking it's not cool right yeah (laughs) yeah um what else do i have um Guys, there's a museum of sex. Like there's Ooh, yes, there's places I've you been. can go where there's external like conversation pieces that you don't even have to make it about you. It's an interesting place to start. That would be a really fun date. Maybe not a first date, sure. but <laughs> a really fun, you know, fourth, fifth, whatever, yeah. after you've started having sex date. Totally. Definitely opens the door for some stuff. Uh, maybe stuff you've never thought of before. Mm-hmm. Love it. What else? Those are like my main tips for getting started. Other ones, if you're already comfortable with your partner, let's say you or they try something a little different. In the moment, you can be like, I like that. Do more of that. Or, let you know, I, I don't like that. Or mm-hmm. after after you're done and you're laying there, you could be like, I liked when you did this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just giving the people language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. Are you noticing? I'm saying a lot of stuff. Is there anything you're thinking in terms of barriers? Because I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable with this stuff. Let's talk about workshopping barriers. So how can you start? <laughs> Sorry, my dog is just... <laughs> taking over the way she'll look up at me she's a part of the podcast (laughs) i think she has her own kinks that she wants to share attention (laughs) um how do you get past certain certain stigmas so i think for and talking in a very heteronormative context i think for women there's you know the wanting to be respectful or like respected and not come off as a whore Mm -hmm. and like what you know whore or whatever uh things like that and I think for men and I mean very conscious mature kind of feminist men Mm -hmm. they really want to be highly respectful of women as they should Mm -hmm. yeah as they should of course but how can you I mean I remember I was dating this guy a few years ago we call him the comedian on the podcast And, you know, in the beginning, everything was fine sexually. And then when he, like, really fell in love with me, he was like, I don't – it was almost like he had a bit of a thing where he's like, I can't, like, fuck you the way I want to Mm -hmm. because I just love you too much. (laughs) Okay. Good communication. I'm glad he was able to share. Yeah. I will say if – if you are comfortable enough to be inside someone, you should be comfortable enough to have these conversations. Yes. 1000%. <laughs> yes. Um, I also think, I mean, it's great that he, I'm going to 
speak about this, but I mean, in general, it's great mm-hmm. that he respects you, but like you respecting all of you would include your desires in the bedroom. Mm. And just because he said this doesn't mean you should shut down your desires. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would say keep working through it if you're somebody in a situation like that. Yeah. And would you have any advice to the man in that situation of how to because one thing I suggested at the time and I don't know if it's good advice I was like maybe think of me as like an alter ego when we're having Mm -hmm. sex (laughs) so it's not like you're a nice cute sweet respectful girlfriend it's like this dirty whore that you've had totally I mean a lot of it is role play like that so I love that you suggest that um, this is something we can't do because we're women, but I think men talking to men about kink or about sex in general would be super helpful because mm-hmm. um, I bet a lot of men and we all have these same concerns mm-hmm. and you would ask what I would suggest to the man, like keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. There's so many like issues here about masculinity mm-hmm. that I will never understand. Um, and it, they're real because we have the femininity issues with like, do I really want to be slapped a little? You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah. So I think it both requires the partners to talk and um, people of the same, if you identify as the same gender, would be useful. I said earlier that in kink, there's more consent and communication because it's more non-traditional. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something a lot I'm assuming and I know from people who have said but I'm not in this community the queer community also has the same they just speak more because it's Mm non-traditional and I think that's something hetero people could really learn from (laughs) yeah from what I've seen from my queer friends it just seems yeah like there's just so much more consciousness in their relationships be it communication they're not really beholden to the hetero like male female stereotypes that we experience of course but they have all all, obviously so many worse stereotypes that they have to deal with I just have to put that up (laughs) yeah I mean you know it's I think you know finally we're coming to a place where it's I mean at some point it was like you're risking your life and I would say I mean yes we're getting closer but this is kind of exactly what I'm trying to pinpoint is like We've been talking a lot about kink in a way where the man is dominant and the woman's not. And half, like statistically, half of the men are going to prefer them to be a more submissive role Mm -hmm. for the same reasons I was saying that they're always in control and they want to like let mm -hmm. go control as well, which is why I really encourage people to just talk about this more Mm -hmm. because, again, as we started, this is vulnerable stuff. Yeah. Do you or did you watch Billions? No. Okay. So (laughs) there is a character on the show who is a very powerful guy. He grew up in a uh, very wealthy family, like Upper East Side, New York type wealth. And he's the attorney, attorney general of the Southern District of New York, which is like in the federal court system, like the best. Okay, big deal. Yeah, very big deal. And very powerful attorney, and he is a sub. Mm -hmm. And he, it's very deep for him. Like, he pretty much can 
only get sexual satisfaction out of being a sub. Mm -hmm. And his wife really, I think, like studied under a dominatrix to learn how to sexually satisfy him. him. Yeah. (laughs) And then, uh, so there's a lot of stuff with it that I wonder about, like maybe what parts of his upbringing contributed to him feeling like this. So I guess... I want to go back to him because there's other things that come up in the show that I want to talk about and I wonder how accurately it was portrayed. Mm -hmm. But one thing specifically is if you have submissive or Dom-like fantasies, is there maybe something specific in childhood that would make you that way? Great question. And like most questions, it's never black or white. (laughs) So I think... Like a lot of things, it's both how you're brought up in the experiences and genetics. Mm -hmm. Because there's something that could happen to two people that would make you either a dom or a sub. And as I had kind of said, it's all about power play. And Mm -hmm. some people reclaim their power by being a submissive. Mm. There's actually more power in being a submissive because you create the terms. I just heard this somewhere and I can't remember where. Mm-hmm. Like maybe yesterday I just heard this and I was meaning to ask you about this. But yeah, I heard that exact phrase pretty much that you have more power because it, it's all about what you're consenting to. Like the yes. dom can only do what you are agreeing to do. Yeah. And if you're a dom, you you genuinely don't want to hurt the person Mm -hmm. you're with or else you wouldn't like be in this partnership with them Mm -hmm. so yeah it's really all up to the sub to say you can do all these things but this is my boundary and Mm -hmm. yeah I think there are childhood things I mean we're not really getting into clinical stuff at this point about like uh young sexual trauma and that's kind of a whole other story but I Mm -hmm. think most people can identify with feeling some sort of kinky in some way. And mm. I mean, I like talking about psychology. So I always think things can be connected or traced to childhood, but I don't think it prescribes you to be a certain kind of person. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 of course. And do you think kinks can change? Mm-hmm. Speaking from personal experience, um, and especially with more exploration, different people can expose you to different actions but also different like chemistries Mm -hmm. so I might prefer with one partner a certain dynamic and then with another partner a different one Mm -hmm. so I said that I lean sub but I have been with people where I'm like feeling the dom you know what I mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I think you know as humans we're never like rigid we're always changing and If you have a partner who's not even introduced to this world, you never know where where you could go with that, you know? Right. Yeah. So you can always try both. Yeah. (laughs) And what about so back to billions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why representation is so important because we can talk about this show. I It really is. That show also does something else really beautifully. They had a trans non-binary character who 
it just is non-binary and it's not really a part of the plot line at all. They're just mm-hmm. a character who's there who is non-binary. Everyone respects their pronouns for the most part. I mean, it's it's really not like this big journey. The storyline yeah. isn't around them being non-binary. They're just a human who's there. <laughs> Perfect. And just a little language correction. I believe that you would just be non-binary, not trans non-binary. So I've heard... So I... So everyone has their own language. Yeah. I, uh, so I always said non-binary, but then a friend of mine whose partner is non-binary said that a lot of people say trans non-binary because they believe they transition to being non-binary from whatever gender was assigned at birth. So that's when I adopted that. I don't and know. Who see, knows? listeners, this is how you have a <laughs> civil conversation about yeah. language. Like, clearly, I have zero. <laughs> no, you know, it, it was just what I learned from that. No, yeah, so. I think, and I just learned, yeah, everyone has their own situation. And I think since we're, again, talking about kink, you don't have to have one type of language that you go for. And mm-hmm. we're so fluid yes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay sorry continue about billions (laughs) yeah so (laughs) billions um there's uh, so the person who is a sub his wife at some point starts to become frustrated because their sex was really for his satisfaction Mm. right he pretty much never wanted to have any sort of sex that was pleasurable to her he really just wanted to be submissive and have her be a dom yeah And so she goes to see the dominatrix that she kind of learned from. And she was like, you know, you mentioned a client that you once had who switched. Is that possible? And she was like, yeah, that person wasn't like us. Like his nature wasn't to be a sub. It was a different situation. He just liked trying on different types of kinks. Mm-hmm. Whereas your partner, he's not ever going to change. Like that. It, that's just, it's so deeply ingrained in him. He's never going to change. And I'm just wondering if you have a situation like that, even let's say, let, let's just take my current situation, right? Where I've had, you know, almost 30 years of experience deriving sexual pleasure from things that I don't actually like in real life. Mm-hmm. But now I'm in this like weird place where it's just it's just feeling a little icky to me. Is it possible that I'm just going to fully change and be sexually aroused by more... I don't want to use the word vanilla, but like less kinky things or I don't know. Do you ever see someone maybe like work through and I'm not saying this necessarily applies to me, but like do you see someone maybe work through like with that character in Billions, it's implied that it was certain things in his upbringing, his family structure, his family dynamic that just made him need to be dominated to derive sexual okay, so pleasure. I have two important things to say. Okay. One, I'm already hearing some traces of shame in your question. Mm-hmm. That's like, is this something to be fixed? Yeah. So I just want to acknowledge wherever people's journeys takes them, it's still okay to have kinks. Okay, that's okay. One. 
second. And you're right. It 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 is something I do feel shameful of. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and just to normalize, you shouldn't. Like we, we all have a journey, and things can derive pleasure when you're younger that don't anymore. We always change. Mm-hmm. Never say never or always. Like it's always gray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said always. <laughs> Anyways, um, okay, now I want to get in the specifics of your question was about can you change kind of from Dom to Seb? So Or something else. Something like, like let's that. say, you know, I recently heard of this pretty wild kink of people being into something with cows. I can't even remember what it oh oh people pretending that they're cows, I think it was. It was just well, something there's a wild. whole world of kink out there, yeah. and that's what I want to, like, start to open the door on. So in this situation where somebody wants to, like... Okay, let's say let's take billions. I'm sorry, I mm-hmm. haven't seen it, guys. <laughs> um, so the guy likes to be the sub. Mm-hmm. There's a way of being a sub where you're either, like, told what to do like do this like humiliation wise yes but you can also be a sub like eat my pussy right now do you know what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. there's ways that like as the woman dom i can also get what i need by making him do it mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, so I yeah. Think there's i yeah. don't people oh, have their tendencies you should have talked to the character <laughs> in the show Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's just always ways to find what works for you. And also, sometimes you won't. Like, some people really don't like giving head, but they'll do it because they want their partner to have pleasure. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a way to find what works for everyone Mm -hmm. without, like, hating what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's take the reverse. Let's say you are with someone who has a certain kink that maybe you're not that into. Okay, great question. I bet <laughs> this happens all the time. Um, okay, understanding is so important. So if that were me, I would probably ask my partner, can you tell me a little more about why you're into this? What about this turns you on? That way I can kind of understand, get on board. Otherwise I would feel probably pretty shameful about doing something I don't like Mm -hmm. um I would say do your best to stay open to it just once if you hate it great don't do it Mm -hmm. but I think if you can and it's not offensive to your morals Mm -hmm. give it a shot Mm -hmm. um but yeah I would say mostly like ask each other and ask yourself what about these things are you into or makes you uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and how can you work past feeling silly like I'm just thinking if I had a partner who was like wanting me I mean there are certain things where I just I don't I I feel like I wouldn't know what to do Mm -hmm. like sexting like I've never really sexted I like really wouldn't really know what to say or role play like I just I think I'd like start giggling because I wouldn't know what to do okay so I will share personal experience um with a guy who we were trying to find something a little different to do. So we had decided let's meet up at a bar and pretend we're strangers and like mm-hmm. carry out the night as strangers. Mm-hmm. Obviously we were like, ha like this is so funny. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I was reading a book. He's like, what are you reading? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. just v- very uncomfortable in the beginning. But he, when I did that, he was like good at kind of moving it along. Cause we're on mm-hmm. the same team. We both know we're pretending and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So he'd be like, Oh, like, do you come here often? Or like, 
oh, I didn't know that. Like, he just kept moving it. So I think if you guys can agree beforehand to help each other through it, mm-hmm. that would be useful. Um, with sexting also, something I've done is like, do the sexting part and then in like brackets in a new text be like you're doing great i like this <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a good tip yeah, yeah. oh that would be so helpful because <laughs> you can have both because i think sometimes i guess with sexting or in role play you feel like you can't break it at all mm-hmm. and if you break it you're like done mm-hmm. but let's not do that let's like weave in and out and that's what makes it fun it's still you and your partner it's still like a little fantasy Hmm. I don't know. Am I making it sound easier than it is? <laughs> yeah. One thousand percent. Yes. But I think that's encouraging. That's sure. I mean, you don't want to make it sound hard harder than no. it is. And also, <laughs> again, as I said, if you're comfortable enough to like do these things with someone, you should be comfortable enough to talk about it after even like the next day we could be like hey how was that night for you was that weird should we do it again should we never do it Mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah and what if you're dating someone who has a hard time talking about things how would you recommend breaking that barrier Mm -hmm. are they in therapy already (laughs) (laughs) no i guess for me Something I always like to try, but people like hate this, is something like, can we have scheduled time to talk about this? Like, every two weeks on Sunday, can we have a conversation about our sex life? Mm-hmm. That way you can kind of prep. It's not um, sprung up on you. You know it's regular. You could still meet and have nothing to talk about. I think, and I could be wrong because I love talking about sex, but I think what scares a lot of people is like, I don't know what they're going to ask. I might feel embarrassed or uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. Um, but I like schedule conversations Mm -hmm. in person, not over text. Tone is so important. Mm -hmm. Again, don't do it in the bedroom because you're already vulnerable. Right. If you can. Yeah. (laughs) What about, and this is just random, but it just came to my mind. What about in a situation where you're in the bedroom and someone does something that you don't like? What's a easy way to navigate out of it without hurting their feelings? Yes. Um, ooh, ooh, okay. I'm thinking something like physically stopping, if you can, being clear with boundaries, like, hey, this wasn't for me. And not just say the word this, be specific. When you did this, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. In the moment, yes. you would say that. Okay. And then to say, but I like when you do this and let, and then move on. Mm-hmm. I think it's worse when you're going to, especially as a woman, just be in your head the rest of the interaction. Then you're never going to be able to bring it up again. Mm-hmm. If possible, I would suggest like immediate rectification, mm-hmm. specific and then move on and like keep keep having fun and now you both know he knows never to do that maybe after you can be like why did you do is there something else i can do for you that would fulfill this mm-hmm. does that sound reasonable yeah absolutely <laughs> are you single yes <laughs> and are you kind of actively dating so interestingly, during COVID, I can't believe we made it this far without talking about COVID. Um, <laughs> I did a lot of dating because all my friends like moved out of the area. So I did mm-hmm. a lot of my exploration in this kink area at that time. Mm-hmm. On field or? Yeah. Okay. That was another thing I was going to bring up. There are dating apps for this specifically. 
Field, which is F-E-E-L-D, um, is really interesting because it's like a regular dating app, but people put their sexual preferences on it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like pulling a layer back of mm-hmm. society and everyone's really open with all that stuff. So I was on field for a bit. Then what I learned interestingly, going back to masculinity, is a lot of guys would say they were into being dominant, but when it came down to it, they were less comfortable. Oh, interesting. I found it very interesting that I don't know if they were trying to explore their sexuality or they thought they should be this dominant person. Mm -hmm. Long story short, I did a lot of exploration, then I decided what I'm into, and now I'm just, I think, looking for a more long-term partner. Mm -hmm. Can you use Field to have a real relationship? Theoretically, but I'm going to be real in practice. It's more used for like couples looking for a third or uh-huh. if you're looking for more of like a strictly sexual kinky relationship. Okay. Sorry, okay. everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, I've just wondered. Yeah. Um, do you th- believe in any type of rules about how long you should wait to sleep with someone if you are looking for a relationship? No. <laughs> And (laughs) I think um, just in my experience, and I hate that I'm saying this, I just feel like it's a different dynamic. Mm -hmm. I have had relationships where we sleep together on the first date that were like good. But I think what I've learned for me, I'll speak for myself, is like if I have a first date and don't sleep with them and I don't like them as much, I'm like, whatever. If I sleep with them, I will have a feeling, a type Mm -hmm. of way. I don't want to say anything about what he thinks about me, Mm -hmm. but I know I feel differently about myself and my worth. I already already know I'm not going to get off from it. Personally, I should have said this earlier, it's really hard for me to come. So I just, it's From partner sex? mm -hmm. Oh, I can do it myself. This is such a classic thing for women. Yeah. Do it yourself. It's much harder with a partner. So I think that's really... Um, any woman i honestly think who says they don't have that experience is either lying or might not (laughs) know what an orgasm is Mm. because i have encountered that people were like i come every time i have sex and then like a year later she's like actually i didn't know what an orgasm was sure yeah it's one of those when you know you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) and also you're talking to someone who can self-advocate in the bedroom and it's still hard for me Mm -hmm. so i think that really guided my current vibe of not having as much casual sex there was a time and place for it and now that's not it right for me that was you know when i was celibate for seven years it wasn't my choice i just wasn't meeting guys that i was really into and people would always be like well don't you miss it and i was like no because i don't miss like you know, bouncing around on some guy's dick (laughs) and not having an orgasm. Mm -hmm. That's not really, I can just do squats at the gym if I want to experience that torture. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And that the whole orientation of making him finish and you know, you're not. So what's the point? Yeah. So again, I can understand why girls like to be the sub because the guy's doing work. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. I'm sorry. Everyone works really hard in sex. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. That's such a dichotomy for me because I actually love to be active 
and sex. But I also kind of want to be dominated. Mm -hmm. I think it just depends on whether I want, like there are times where if you're really into someone, you really care about their pleasure. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on whether I want the focus to be on their pleasure or mine. But I would love to be in a place where that pleasure could be simultaneous. Yeah, I think a lot again a lot of people identify with this that not every sexual encounter with the same partner is the same Mm -hmm. sometimes you want different stuff out of it sometimes you just want to like get it in after a day of work and sometimes you want like a dinner date and like Mm -hmm. a romantic vibe Mm -hmm. and that's okay to say to say to your partner like just want a quickie i just want this and that Mm -hmm. and once you open that conversation with them hopefully you can get further in these conversations with them Mm mm-hmm And so in dating, when do you kind of broach the subject of kinks? (laughs) Definitely depends on the partner. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, with the mindset of looking for a relationship. As y'all have noticed, I'm open about this conversation. So it does sometimes just come up in my Mm -hmm. conversations. Um. I Like, for example, let's say go on a date next week. They'd say, what do you do? I would actually bring up, I was on a podcast and I talked about this mm-hmm. to open the door for that conversation without being aggressively like, I want this. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if that <laughs> happens, can you please send them a link? Ask mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. to subscribe. Ask rate, them review, to rate or review. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing it out there yeah, yeah, casually. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> But I think, at least for me, I find ways, if I'm feeling it with a guy, to dip my toes into that conversation with them Mm -hmm. kind of before, you know, when there's still time to, like, assess the person. Okay. So well before you actually are intimate with them. I don't know. Everyone's different. Sometimes when I am and they'll do something a little more aggressive, I would say, I like that or keep Mm -hmm. doing that. Mm -hmm. I think... I'm so sorry. There's never one answer for anything. No, that's fair enough. But even this conversation we're having, I feel like, is the first step for people to know what they want. Half the time, people don't even know what they want. Right. And what would you recommend to someone who is listening to this and is like, well, I don't actually resonate with what he was saying at all. Like, I, I don't even know. Like, maybe I want something else. I don't know. What would you recommend to that person to get in touch with their own mm-hmm. wants and needs? Interesting, interesting. So the first place my mind goes is, like, if you're comfortable masturbating, because I don't know where this hypothetical person is at, mm-hmm. I would say, like, set a time where you can like turn off all external like as I said sometimes I do porn but that doesn't let my mind wander Mm -hmm. so I would then turn off the porn let my mind just see where it goes not judge myself for that because you know your Mm -hmm. mind can go in places when you're like in a sexy mood that you're like "Hmm, I don't know why I did that Mm -hmm. but to really not be judgmental and let it ride and then maybe after you're finished and satisfied just take a little mental note. Like, that's interesting that I thought of that. Maybe it's something I want to look into. Um, if you're this new to the area, I would not suggest looking up porn for anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, unless it's like a female-centered safe space. It's just, yeah. it's so aggressive on okay. like Pornhub, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we'll put some links in the mm-hmm, show notes mm-hmm. of... Mm 
less misogynistic <laughs> things i yes. guess other things um have you heard of like audio erotic yes. what's the name for that i don't know but you know what i love that's different um literotica mm-hmm. yeah i've heard of that that i love yeah <laughs> you know it's for smart girls who like to mess <laughs> Well, no, I think girls take more parts of their brain to get there than like biologically. Mm-hmm. So it does make sense that you would want to read something with like adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I also think I, so for me having kind of like extreme kinks, I find that some porn doesn't really go where I want it to. And I think there's a lot more freedom yeah. when it's in literature. Yeah, I agree. And because you're not seeing it, you can kind of decide in your brain how you want it. Exactly. Yeah. Now, here's a special suggestion. I'm a journaler. So sometimes when I'm like in a mood and thinking about a certain experience, I'll write it down while I'm in the mood. And I swear when I read that back, like it puts me right there. Ooh. So you're doing yourself a favor. I wrote in my, I have this to-do list app that I'm obsessed with. I actually can't believe I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet because it's like, a crutch of my day. I'll talk about it later. Um, but I wrote in my to-do list, it must have been like a month ago. I don't know what happened. Maybe I was have, out having drinks or something. And I just had this like light bulb moment. And I was like, write a porno. <laughs> and I put That's it on good. my to-do list so for funny. a week later. And then when <laughs> that day came around, I was like, yeah, I'm not writing a porno today, but thanks for that Love weird it. suggestion. I'm so glad I suggested it again. <laughs> no, I mean, it's different when you write it and you were there and it really does bring those vibes back. Mm-hmm. So that could be a place to start with somebody who's like a little shyer about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now I want to have a conversation with someone very unlike me so you can talk less theoretically so i'm yeah. always like just do it <laughs> right yeah if anyone is listening and you fall into that camp where you're listening and you're maybe a teensy bit uncomfortable and you're like i don't know this is all too much for me can you please write in so we can yes. pick your brain a little maybe have you on the podcast if you want <laughs> maybe Keep not you anonymous if yeah you want. <laughs> yeah yeah that's all doable but I would just love to hear people's opinions and perspectives on this. Yeah. And any barriers they have, something we haven't talked about at all today that obviously is a thread is like cultural stigma barriers. Um, If you can't see me, I'm a white woman. So I think that Mm -hmm. gives me the best leg up on this conversation to be comfortable with it. But I acknowledge it's much harder for people whose cultures or whatever prevents that. Yeah. One thing I've often wondered, so when I said that I talked to a lot of female friends who had kind of rape fantasies, one thing I noticed is that we all came from either cultural or religious backgrounds that were not very sex positive. Mm. And so one thing I wondered was, do we have rape fantasies because we were brought up in cultures where women weren't supposed to be sexual? And so if it's non-consensual and you're not consenting to it then it's okay what a great analysis (laughs) yes so at the very beginning when you said some stuff about your earlier experience and I was like can I offer perspective this is exactly what I was thinking of which is like if it's so stigmatized and you're really not supposed to think or talk or do any of this 
it really makes sense that your fantasies would involve that feeling. Mm-hmm. So again, normalizing it, it's, it is confusing because rape, the word by nature means that you don't want it. Mm-hmm. But in a rape fantasy, you are still in control. Right. So. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't actually want to be raped. Right, right, that should right, right. go without saying. Yes. Right. So I think it's all supernatural. And whether or not that's part of your personal experience, I think as I said, it just really plays into power dynamics. Mm -hmm. And as women, we have like just even muscularly, like we're at a disadvantage when we're in a physical situation with a man against being very heteronormatively, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. this all makes sense, girl. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. This was the episode where everyone learned way more than they ever wanted to know about bisexuality. Well, I hope people can use it as an example to like, it's all super normal and like, thank you for sharing. And I know it was Mm -hmm. really vulnerable and so important. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Kelly. This was so much fun. We definitely need to have you back to talk about so many things. I already have a full list in my (laughs) mind. (laughs) Perfect. So yeah, this was so great. Um, We'll put links in the show notes. If you are listening and any part of this conversation got you a little excited, you're like, ooh, there's something I want to do and I don't know how to broach the subject or there's a conversation I want to have and I don't know how to go about it. I know exactly how you can go about it. Send the link (laughs) to this episode to whoever you want to do this with, talk about it with, et cetera, or just send it to whoever. I don't really give a shit. Just send it. (laughs) Rate, review, subscribe. (laughs) Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your family, friends, partners, sexual partners, people on dating apps. Put in your dating app bio. Get the conversation started. Yes. Well, thanks so much for having me on. (laughs) Thank you, Kelly. Love you guys. See you next week.